Hello and welcome to this week's edition of the Five Things Podcast. The five things where we go deep into five topics in social media and give you all, the listeners, our takeaways. I am recording live from the gray offices in the Flatiron District of New York City, and it feels really good to be back. I am joined this week by my trusty co-hosts. The gang is together. Amanda Davis. Hello, Amanda. Hey, guys. I'm so excited. We're all back together. Not for long, because for the last time before her baby joins us all in this world, Beth Rolfs. Hey, Beth. Hi, Amanda. Hi, Kenny. I'm getting all misty. <laughs> this is I'll going miss you to, guys. Oh, this is going to be a quick run around the five things this week because it's a pretty light week, but uh, all interesting stuff. We're going to kick it off by talking about Clubhouse launching their Android version, Twitter launching the test of tip jars, Twitter launching larger image displays on timelines, Facebook launching neighborhoods, and then finally YouTube launching shorts to all US creators. Um, so I will kick it off with Clubhouse finally launching their Android version. This has been a long, long time coming and has been a major knock on the rollout, the meteoric rollout of Clubhouse. Um, it has been on iOS for many, many months, and it was constantly growing month over month. There has been calls across every major social channel for this to be on Android. They finally got there. I would posit that it is too little too late for Clubhouse um, in this instance. In the time that it took them to roll out the Android version of this app, Facebook, Twitter, and many others have started to come out with their own social audio features. Um, I, I will take this moment to make a statement, whether it's bold anymore is, is up to all of you, the listeners and my trusty co-hosts in this uh, journey. But uh, I think Clubhouse will go down in the, the history books as spotlighting a feature versus becoming a player. Um, and ultimately, the networks themselves, the major networks, will leverage social audio as a core component of the experience on those apps versus needing a standalone-only app to achieve that. Uh, and scalability and access, which is highlighted by this thing, will will go down as one of the things that have uh, hampered the growth of Clubhouse. So. Um, Glad they finally got there, but I think the race is already over. I don't know. Beth, Amanda, what do you think? I, I think that's a, a really well put statement that they brought this new capability. It was a great idea, billion dollar idea, but they didn't quite have the infrastructure there to make it their own and you know be the leader of the pack. And the only thing I think, not the only thing, but the main thing that they did have is kind of the culture and the relevance to society. I think if this offering was just added to Facebook or Instagram or Reddit or any of the other places that have adopted it, we would all be scratching our heads like, why? How do we use this? What is this for? What is the use case? So I think really being rooted in the culture of why people would use that, creating you know a behavior for it and then to your point kenny picking that up on what that means in every platform is is the role that clubhouse has played so far and it's important it's a lot like vine it's 
it sets the precedent for how platforms will use it. And it's very important, but it's not the star platform that, you know, some might have seen it to be. Yeah. And that exclusivity, I think, like really helped with adoption. It was like, you had to have an invite. You had to be cool enough to be part of the club that it drove some of that need to participate. And now we're all sold in in the idea of audio rooms. Yeah, it was just getting us comfortable with the feature, right? At the end of the day. And I think it did a good job. And my bets on Twitter spaces uh, to be the one that emerges, you know, challenge me. I think LinkedIn, LinkedIn's got some pull here with the right. It'll definitely be a different vibe, but I could see yep. it being used in a networking way too. Um, all right. So moving on. I love this feature from Twitter. Amanda, tell us about tip jars. So Twitter just launched um, what they're calling tip jar, which as it sounds, you can, you know, send cash directly to creators on the platform, um, either through their profile or through an audio space or a conversation or a thread that they're having. Um, And obviously, this comes off of us talking about how, you know, the platforms are really supporting creators and want them to make content specifically for the platform. But I actually see this as more of a direct hit against sites like Patreon, where for a long time, creators were realizing, you know, we're spending all this energy making content for a platform. They're making money off of it. We're not making money off of it. So they would go to third party platforms like Patreon to get people to subscribe and to, you know, donate even small amounts, $5 or less every month to keep making content. Um, So I wouldn't be surprised if after this, we see Twitter roll out something that's like a subscription service like Patreon, something that is a recurring content from your favorite creators. Um, Because also last year they launched their kind of long form content initiative. So I see all these things merging together. um, And Kenny, to the point that you were just mentioning with the audio spaces, like the reality is last year we saw new conversations, different sides of conversations, a lot of different opinions happening. And this year, I think the platforms are starting to realize they have a responsibility to give a place for all of this nuance, all of this depth, all of this long form information to really be discussed in a way that might not, you know, do the job with an infographic. It might not do the job with a tweet. There's a lot more to unpack with these conversations. And there's another way that they're kind of moving into that space that Patreon played. I, I mean, personally, I think it's really cool. Um, I have so many friends who are in the theater world or the drag scene. And I can think about like what this would mean for them performing digitally and what, the past year has done to their lives. So, you know, I'm all about supporting the creators and need to tell a bunch of people I know about this. I feel like this is a podcast that just really supports the theater community. We've got Joey and Beth. <laughs> everyone's like, you could see, you don't, most of you don't know what Joey looks like, but you could see him sort of in an all black getup running behind the stage and making sure things just like work properly. Because he's literally Um, in all black. (laughs) Yeah, kind of like what he's doing for this podcast right now. He's our stagehand, producer, everything. So um, I love Tip Jar. I think any way that we can fuel the creator economy and make sure that creators are getting credit for what they do is critical. And for so long, social media has actually appropriated content from the creator communities and actually benefited 
very few when in mm-hmm. fact what makes social media so special is that it can empower and and expose the masses which i think is why this is just such a good feature i um twitter continues day in and day out whether it's how they support brands and the tools that they give brands to communicate with their audiences whether it's how they're supporting creators whether it's you know how they're behaving during you know difficult political situations like they're just emerging stronger than ever um covid's done well for them in that sense like i think covid has has accentuated the need for something like twitter um we're going to keep rolling here uh, more twitter um launching their larger image display on timelines and i think there's a component of this beth and you'll tell us about it that actually makes for more inclusive content as well so why don't you tell us a bit about what twitter did yeah, so Twitter is finally, I would say, rolling out larger image display on timelines. So before when you posted an image on Twitter, it would crop the image down to a tiny little box and you know, sometimes it was pretty comical what you would be able to actually see in the image versus when you clicked in. Now you'll be able to see an entire image as loaded um, in your feed, which is great. I think it's interesting that Twitter is now making, you know, steps to being more visual versus what it's kind of been known for. Um, of course, this will have digital marketing implications. Um, it'll change, I think, how we as marketers think about the platform. Kenny, what am I missing for the inclusivity piece? So apparently it was all about how the image cropping doesn't show like the full picture of what's actually like happening in a scene. So it it can, it can be seen as limiting or not showing the entirety. And it leads to sort of like unconscious bias of what you're seeing. So it's like showing the full picture creates more inclusivity. I can see that it's like, you know, full story versus single story almost. Yeah, that's exactly Being right. able to see the entire image as it's meant to be displayed versus just a little snippet. There's there's some pretty funny, like, Twitter image fails if you look back um, of photos where you only see a tiny piece of it and it does not look anything like what you would expect the photo to look like, so... Good on Twitter, I think. Good on Twitter. Good on Twitter. It's taken a while, but here we are. I feel like we just need the title of this podcast to just be good on Twitter. Um, (laughs) So, all right. Well, Amanda, talk to us about Facebook launching neighborhoods, which I felt like this already existed. They're just changing the names, but what's going on here? Yeah, Kenny, you're right. This kind of already existed. Um, They just made it a little bit more formal. Um, Again, to combat Nextdoor, which is uh, like a local geographically defined offering where people can talk to their neighbors, they can post, you know, want ads for sale ads, things like that. Um, So Facebook officially launched um, Neighborhoods. And again, it gives people, it's just like a group, honestly, um, that gives people access to the people in their community. It gives them a more organized hub of how they can talk about things going on, either, you know, interest, recommendations, concerns, things like that. I think as we've 
spoken almost every week, probably over the last couple of months, Facebook is made for these little groups to thrive. Um, it's the most probably the most adopted platform, especially with uh, you know older social users. Um, so this gives a place that everybody is in the same space, having the same conversations, one place to connect with their neighbors, connect with their teachers, connect with the resources locally. It makes sense. It's not a it's not an entirely new offering. It's just a little bit more formalized and designed in a way that's a little bit more accessible and user friendly. I feel like this is directly taking on Nextdoor also. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Which is the only app my mother will socially participate in. But interesting. Interesting. By the way, I'm so into Nextdoor right now. It's so fun. I, I like all about it. I want to hear what my neighbors are saying. And there was a whole, okay, quick aside. There was like a whole thing on the Upper West Side where dog owners were leaving dog poop on the ground. And it was like really bad. And it was happening all over the Upper West Side. And it was like everywhere you looked, it was like basically you had to just keep your... Uh, you had to like keep your head down because you just needed to make sure you were never going to step on dog poop. It was getting really bad. And there was an entire kind of just like group therapy, what do we do next door moment, which I was like all Did into. Did anyone get caught? No. It, and I don't think it was one person. I mean, it was too much dog poop for it to be one person. I think it was just like, I don't know what it was. Collective laziness. It also kind of felt like maybe it was like a protest against de Blasio, like being like the city's not clean. <laughs> um, so I don't know, but it was something next door is really just special. I love it. Okay. Beth, for your final thing. My final before, thing. Before we bid you adieu and good luck. Tell us about YouTube launching shorts to all US creators. <laughs> <laughs> really? Heavy hitter to go out on, guys. Um, so YouTube is launching shorts to all U.S. creators. Um, they We talked about this a while ago. They did a beta in March in India, and it was a very successful trial run. And so now everyone can create these short videos. Shorts are essentially, not shockingly, a TikTok-esque video. Um they're, they can now be 60 seconds versus only 15 seconds. Um, and in the app, you'll scroll down. You'll see kind of the same Reels-esque select. You'll get brought into shorts. Very similar um, interface as TikTok and Reels and all the other short-form content that we've gotten very used to. I think the one good thing... This is not surprising, right? Like, YouTube's a video platform. It's about time that everyone can create shorts on there. But what's really cool is, like, Twitter or YouTube definitely had a moment in 2020, right? Everyone was going to YouTube um, to find videos of how to make bread. We saw for a lot of our brands that um, they're, they were surprised at how well their YouTube content performed in 2020. So I think it's good that YouTube's kind of keeping up the momentum and we'll have shorts there. Not a big surprising one. What do you guys think? It's not super surprising. And I also am curious if this, I don't particularly feel like they're going to share the use case of TikTok. I feel like maybe it 
leans more into just an easier, accessible editing tool for YouTube creators. Like I wouldn't know how to use iMovie, um, but I might know how to make a TikTok. Who's to say? Um, And I think this is almost opening up the YouTube platform to creators who have started on TikTok or started on more lightweight um, platforms because it's a little bit easier to use. So it's I almost see this as like an easier editing tool for YouTubers to get more into it and make more YouTube videos. Yeah. There's also good editing features on the back end. So um, their caption technology is, I think, one of the best, you can automatically add captions to make sure that your content's inclusive. Um, you can also edit captions. And it seems like they have some pretty sophisticated editing capabilities. So super good point. Well, it was a super good point. And I am so glad that we were able to talk about all of these things this week. I'd like to say uh, to the world, if you're not following us already, on Apple or Spotify, please follow us, subscribe to us on these channels so that you can get up to the minute news about the five things podcast. If you have any questions, you can email us at podcasts at gray.com. And before we say sign off and say goodbye, our five things family is wishing Beth and her partner all the best of luck with their new bundle of joy that should be coming shortly. We are so excited for her and her family, and we can't wait to have another mini co-host when she returns a few months from now. So with that, on behalf of our intrepid producer, Joey Scarillo, Amanda and Beth and myself, I am asking you all to stay safe, stay smart, and stay social. The Five Things are written and researched by Andrew Petty and Grace McDougall. Produced by Joey Scarillo and Danielle Hunt. Mixed at Gramercy Park Studios by Guy Rosemarin with support from post-producer Ned Martin. Additional support by John Jenkinson and Christina Hyde. Gray is a global creative agency whose mission is putting famously effective ideas into the world. Check out more at gray.com. That's like, you know what, I'm going to (laughs) go. I'm just going to go have the baby now. Yeah, I think I'm just going to leave. <laughs> we're also still recording. So for our holiday blooper reel, this yeah. can really be a part of it. We should do a super cut of everybody going, I think you're muted. It's not your headphones. It's not my headphones. I think you're muted. <laughs> we haven't done one of those bloopers at the end in a while. Maybe we'll do that again. Yeah, Beth's going to leave and come back in. That's a good idea, Beth. <laughs>